Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. I never went back to button pants. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Grandma's feather bed. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. I can only be even numbers. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Your hesitancy that there is hesitancy Hey, everybody. Welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Amy. And this is Margaret coming off a week-long cold, which you may hear, but hopefully I can keep my coughing to a minimum. (laughs) This is me better, guys. That's all I'm going to say about the cold I've just had. This is me able to record. (laughs) This is you with like a little extra scratchy. Your voice is always pleasantly scratchy. It's a little extra scratchy. It was absent. I've gone from like me to like Demi Moore and then like (laughs) one round below that even. I'm really... I'm a baritone. Old deluxe alert. Back in my day, Brenda Vaccaro. Remember her? I don't remember who she was, but she did add. That's deep in the vault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Hello, this is Brenda Vaccaro. You're Brenda Vaccaro. <laughs> I could do. I'm doing the full Vaccaro. <laughs> Before we start, guys, just wanted to let you know, now you can sign up for What Fresh Hell Plus on Supporting Cast, which means you get all the episodes, our entire catalog, ad-free, plus monthly bonus episodes. You can listen to What Fresh Hell Plus in the app you already use. Don't have to remember a new password. Don't have to install a new app. And we heard you, Hellions, because we also have the Apple Podcast version of the subscription. You can still use Apple Podcasts. But people who listen on Spotify and CastBox and all kinds of places were like, well, wait, what about us? So now you can use this no matter where you listen. What Fresh Hell Plus is $3.99 a month or $39.99 a year. Subscribe in just two taps. Go to whatfreshhell.supportingcast.fm and we will link in the show notes. This week, we're going to talk about personal rules. This was a super fun one. There's some that are useful and some that are just absolutely ridiculous, as is what usually happens when we go to our listeners and say, please tell us your best personal rules for life. I'm going to start off strong with Peggy. Peggy says, no street clothes in bed. Clothes that have been on the body, inside or outside the house, even for a second, are not allowed on the bed, not even half a cheek on an inch of the edge. (laughs) Half a cheek. I'm going to say I know Peggy in real life. And... I love Peggy in real life, but this is a bonkers rule. Like, I could never function in Peggy's home. What in the world? Do you change it to like a loungewear as soon as you walk in? How does one pull this off? I kind of do. I've kind of moved to that, like the pandemic, not for hygienic reasons, just for like pajama pants reasons, just for seeking that comfort. 
I change into like inside the house clothes, at least pants as soon as I'm done wearing like pants with buttons and snaps for the day. So I'm obeying the rule. Yeah, I think maybe I never went back to button pants. So I'm always in cozy (laughs) pants. And so I never noticed the difference. I have a child who has two modes. And where this came from, I will never know. But summertime, no shirt ever. You will never see this child in a shirt. And then wintertime, jacket never off. Full parka with hood, never off, including sleeps in it. Like dinner table, like everywhere. Oh, I mean, the dinner table is like the least ridiculous place. Yes. I mean, sleep sitting sleeps in it. Oh, oh, sleeps in it. I thought you said sleep sitting sleeps in the full parka. (laughs) There's only two modes. He's like Mr. Freeze and Mr. Warm. He's heat miser and snow miser. And so those are his only two MOs. And those parkas, they get so filthy, but... They're never the same. Even if it says machine washable, they're not machine washable, I find. Like the down or even the fake down, it just gathers into the clumps and it's not warm anymore. I feel My like, daughter's jacket is so filthy and I can't wash it because it'll ruin it. I feel like all the hygiene stuff is kind of long ago when I lived in L.A. I'd go drive out to Vegas for the weekend and someone said to me, but don't you find Vegas depressing? All the people losing all their money and there's such a sadness to Vegas. And I was like, I have my Vegas blinders on. Like, I just don't see. You have to put your Vegas denial hood on to really enjoy Las Vegas. You have to go and be like, I don't really see that person maxing out their credit card. Similarly, I feel like the germ and dirt blinders that I wear all day, every day, just to get through my life. If I acknowledge what was actually going on in my house, it would be horrifying. I'm okay with you sitting on my bed in outside clothes if it's not like, if it's like on the top of the bed, on the top of all the covers, but not like on the unmade bed. My husband thinks it's okay to put like our suitcases when we travel, like on the bed to unpack it. And I'm super skeeved by that. I do too. But I can see why it would be skeeved. Peggy's saying herself, she's saying, don't wear those pants that you wore on public transportation, you on your bed. She's self-applying this. My in-laws have their bedroom downstairs and their bed becomes kind of a gathering place. Like different people come in and sit on there. That I do find really odd. This is like the John Denver song. I don't want anyone ever sitting on my bed who's not me or my spouse. Grandma's feather bed. Yes. Yeah, everybody's. It was nine feet high, six feet wide. Remember that? The whole family would hang out on the bed, but not in their outside clothes. That's how they roll at my in-law's house. And I have to say myself and the other, the son-in-law, will just look at each other like, no, no, I'm good. I don't think I want to jump in family bed. I think that's weird, but it's just a gathering place. Here's a personal rule that I had never thought of before, but I think I'm going to adopt it as my own. Allison says, my rule is that when you're making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you put peanut butter on both pieces of bread. It gives a better peanut butter jelly experience because it keeps the jelly from soaking through the bread. I have to give Allison the Trump meme. Wrong. (laughs) It's not. No, this is absolutely wrong. Can't support it. Allison, I don't know what to say to you. This is wronger than pants on a trout, as they say in Curious George. Why is it wrong? Because you put peanut butter on one side, jelly on the other, and you put them together. It's the only acceptable way to make a PB&J. But what if the jelly soaks through the bread? No, that's the whole point of the sandwich, Amy. What is wrong with you people? You're solving for a problem that is not a problem, people. Well, Allison, I'm with you. And Melanie, I'm seriously with you. Please tell me that you use different knives for the peanut butter and the jelly so that you don't get like jelly smears in the peanut butter. (gasps) Absolutely. What kind of monster would use the same? When I open the peanut butter and there's jelly in it, we have like a full inquisition. I wretch. (laughs) I have to call in like nine outside panel judges and then the whole family has to gather and we have to have a major inquisition on who did that because it's wrong. Okay. We use some basic 
decency PB&J rules we agree on. Basic decency, please. Anna says she uses the first bathroom stall closest to the door in public bathrooms. Most people go farther, so it's usually in good shape. She adds, go counterclockwise, been possible to avoid crowds. (laughs) (laughs) This is important. I mean, I usually go to the farthest one thinking that that's the one people aren't going to go to. But Anna's like, no, you're thinking of it the wrong way. Go close. Do you have a public bathroom rule? I mean, when I say that this has never crossed my mind, I'm a randomizer and I, you know, if I open the stall and something's gone terribly wrong, I move on. But otherwise, I give it no thought at all. I have never thought about which bathroom stall I use. It's literally never occurred to me. Kelly says she doesn't ride shuttles other than at an airport. If an event requires people to park somewhere else and ride a shuttle, there's a 99% chance I will not enjoy it. It's an interesting take. I mean, I don't love a shuttle, but I don't know. A shuttle is so rarely voluntary. Like you're rarely like, I'm not going to go with the shuttle. I'm going to XYZ. A friend's wedding, whatever. You have to get on a bus to ride to the venue. Those always make me a little nervous. Like, haven't you been stuck in an event that there's shuttle buses? Oh, I had a shuttle bus that went off the road once in ICE, you know, and we it was a lot of the event was being in the shuttle bus. I went to a a wedding once. I was not close to the bride or groom. It was a lovely event. The music was very loud and I was just getting a migraine and people who get, you know, migraines know like once it's set in motion, there's no going back, right? There's no like, we'll wait and see what happens. I know what's going to happen. But you're like shuttle bus 45 minutes from the hotel. I spent like the next hour and a half feeling miserable thinking, well, like, it's not like I can call an Uber out here to this field. But guess what? I did. And I could. So. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you're in a hostage situation, basically. Once you get on a shuttle, it's like you have left all voluntary participation in the event behind. But I'm yes. again like I like Kelly's take. I hate a shuttle. Don't go. Last year when we went to Disney, I mean, the amount of shuttle riding involved was a very big downside to me for Disney. Right. And they'll give you a voiceover, like try to make it fun, right? Or like somebody on like, welcome to... But it's just a lot of queuing up and getting on board and where are you from? And don't talk to me, weirdo. (laughs) And I don't know. I'm no shuttle fan, but I just feel that Kelly has left out for me here. I mean, what she says is she doesn't ride shuttles. If an event requires a shuttle, she's not going to enjoy it. I mean, She's not wrong on any of her basic points. She's opening my eyes. But I'm looking for the plan B here. Like, I I don't know. What else are you going to do? It's like saying you don't enjoy being taken hostage. Like, okay, right. But what's the other option? I'm not sure there is one. This can't be fixed. Carla says she has to close her eyes when she passes the bedroom mirror in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom because monsters and ghosts and boogeymen and maybe even Bloody Mary. P.S. says Carla, I am 47. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, that seems rational to me. Yeah. I mean, of course, you're not a monster. Of course, you shut your eyes when you pass the mirror at night because there's scary people who live in there who would attack you if you made eye contact with them. Okay, Carla, you're fine. Don't worry about that. That's fine. Emily has inside pants and outside pants, again, with the inside and outside clothing. All must have pockets. This is a huge dilemma that I feel that, you know, commercial industrial complex has caught on to. Because now I see a lot of yoga pants and the big seller is with pockets because when I moved to my all comfy all the time lifestyle during the pandemic, which I'm still trying to emerge from, no pockets. I never have pockets and it's a real problem to not have pockets. She said, Emily said, I didn't even include her full answer here. She explained what counts as inside pants and outside pants. Her inside pants are the men's, it's called like good enough. What is the brand from Target? It's the men's like underwear, like loungewear brand from Target. She's like, wear those because they have pockets and the women's don't. 
Oh. So Emily's tip for you is wear men's lounge pants. Emily says she can walk the dog in her inside pants, but if it involves getting in a car, she has to put on her outside pants. And at home, she only wears outside pants if someone's visiting. I was just having that. We had some people over this weekend, and I was really having that, like, do I have to shame? It was cousins. It was casual. It was fine. But I had a whole thing that went through my head of like, what level pants do I have to put on when people come over to my house? I was just the other night thinking of you because I went over to somebody's house that's like a shoe-free house. And they were having sort of like a, a nice gathering. Like, you know, you put on like a smart blouse and pants. So glad they didn't invite me. And I had my, you know, cute boots to put on. But then I was like, well, why am I doing this? Like, why am I even going to hobble the couple of blocks in my high heel boots when I'm going to take them off as soon as I get there? I'm going to wear my like elf Uggs that are so ugly, but so comfortable. Yeah. So this is where the downslide starts, right? Like I'm just going to take them off as soon as I get there. So I might as well wear the ugliest shoes I own that are comfortable. Yeah. It's a slippery slope. It's a very (laughs) slippery slope. And I have slid down it and I'm in a ball at the bottom feeling just fine. I'm totally fine. Comfy. Lori says, I don't eat lunch foods until 12 o'clock or later. Not 11.55, not 11.59. You have to wait until 12. Lunch foods, says Lonnie, are defined as food I would not eat for breakfast. I just met some friends in Brooklyn for what we thought was lunch. What time was it? Well, it was noon, 1230. All right. All right. But it was a weekend day and it was a brunch menu. And it was the most confusing thing because I wanted pizza and then they had an appetizer that was like a whipped ricotta with good bread. That's me all over. That's my favorite food right there. So cheese and bread followed by some cheese and bread. Cheese and bread. That's I mean, yeah, we're in the strike zone. But both of my companions ordered pancakes, which were also on the menu because it was a brunch menu. And I was very agitated because then they wouldn't eat my ricotta. They wouldn't share my ricotta because they were like, well, I'm having pancakes. Yes. I like a strong delineation. I'm not a brunch person. I I like to know, are we having pizzas? Are we having pancakes? But I don't feel we should have both at the same time. You know, brunch... I was just watching season three of Dairy Girls, which, oh, it's so funny. Oh, people, people. It's so good. And anyway, there was like a, one throwaway line that they are talking about brunch. It's set in like 1990, 1991. Brunch, and like, what's it? And then like, it's breakfast and lunch put together, Grunda. And I thought, oh, is that true that like brunch became a thing in late 80s, early 90s? And I think it did. I think it was like a yuppie invention of the recent past. I'm gonna, Amy, let me use an Amy phrase. I'm going to push back on that. When was the first time you remember hearing about brunch? Definitely as a young kid, I remember my parents talking about brunch and it seemed very mysterious and glamorous to me. I'm almost sure that's right. I don't think it was, I mean, maybe late 70s, but all I'm saying is it's not like written in stone. It's not like cuneiform brunch menus. We can stop doing brunch. No, I would agree there. In the Indus River Valley, we were not (laughs) debating whether we were having pizza or pancakes. Right, right. Exactly. Okay. We'll be right back with even more personal rules. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. 
Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches. I get cranky and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids, turns out that is the key to seeing optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate. Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H dot com, sportsresearch.com and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. Jessica is a person after my own heart, but I have a follow-up question for Jessica is whether she waited tables. My bills have to face the same way in my wallet, which can take a moment when I am at the register getting change. Now, when you waited tables, as I did, and as many people have, there's an expression, you got to face your bills. So you can't, when you hand in your money at the end of the night to cover your, you know, bills for the night, they're always like, you got to face your bills, face your bills, which means your bills have to be in order facing the same direction. Why is that? Because that was just better for the person manning the cash register. Because the guy has to count them. So he doesn't want you to hand, like, you know, in a waitress thing, like sometimes you're taking cash and sticking it in your like apron front. Sure. I mean, or at least you did when you were waiting tables. Now it's just boop, tap. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, nobody does that anymore. Now someone like shoots a beam at your face and it's like, okay, this is done and we leave. <laughs> but So you don't pull out from your apron like 4,000 wadded bills and hand them to your manager who then has to straighten them and count them. But that's what I'm saying. They don't really have to be facing the same way for them either. But it is just sort of a general preference. It's nicer. It feels neater to be looking at bills facing the same way. Well, to count money fast, you want to be like, it's 420s, 410s. You have to be looking at the five and it's facing the right way. And they have to put them away in the drawer face. Okay. All right. I mean, listen, I'm not speaking on behalf of a restaurant. How dare you make me argue the argument of restaurant managers? But um, (laughs) I cannot have my bills funky in the wall. It's got to be faced. So everything's got to be in order facing the same direction. I mean, yes. Like I engage with paper money about 10% as much as I used to. But when I do, but when I use cash money, I prefer it to face the same way. Sure. Stephanie says, I can't drink the end of a drink like the last, I don't know, 124th of it. All the toddler backwash has me traumatized. Yeah, (laughs) I know. I can drink out of a bottle, but I won't drink out of an aluminum can unless really pressed. Ever or the last? The last? Uh, No, I just don't like drinking out of an aluminum, drinking stuff I can't see. And I think I developed that after kids. I don't need a beer out of a can or a soda out of a can when I can have it in a glass. If I get a beer out of a can, I pour it into a glass. Like if, in, unless it's super dire, if we're sitting in the river drinking buds out of the cooler, maybe. But I mean, unless pressed, I don't ever want to drink anything out of an aluminum can. Because it tastes a little bit like the can. It tastes like the can. And also, I, it just grosses me out to like 
put my mouth on that aluminum can. It, it's gross. No cans. No cans. Megan says, I have to get a new toothbrush for vacations, but I throw it away after the vacation. My home toothbrush never travels, this I agree with, and my vacation toothbrush can only be used for that one trip. I have a vacation toothbrush in my DOP kit, in my toiletries kit, and I have a home toothbrush, neither of which get replaced as often as they should. That is clear, but the idea that you have a vacation toothbrush that only works for that one night in Detroit is pretty funny to me. I was recently putting away my kids' toothbrushes after a trip. We were always like, go get your toothbrushes. They don't have vacation toothbrushes. And I went to put away my son's toothbrush. And it was, I should have taken a picture of it because it was so comical. It was like, picture all the bristles like flattened and flipped the wrong way. Like it was so, I thought, how long? This is no longer serving any purpose as a toothbrush. Just worn to a nub, right? You're basically just... Brushing your teeth with a stick at this point. (laughs) So I'm for changing toothbrushes more often, I guess. Christine, everybody does this. I refuse to order the same food as my husband if we go out to eat. Don't you always feel like you can't? Oh, I I was going to get the strip steak, but I can't because you're getting it. I mean, I would never, ever do that. I would never, never. There is a place in San Francisco. I don't know if it's still there. Back in the day, it was called Nand King Chicken. And it was this little kind of divey restaurant that, would always have a line outside. It was like the super popular place in San Francisco. And if you tried to order two orders of chicken Nanking at the same table, the owner would yell at you, no two Nanking chickens at the same table. And he would not serve you. It was a thing. And the man, I could go for some Nanking chicken right now. So good. Was his motivation diversification of what you were trying? Or was it that there would be enough chicken Nanking for everybody? I don't really know. I don't really know. Those are my two questions. Third question, what's chicken Nanking? What is it? Oh my God. It was like, as I remember it, it was like a slightly peanut buttery, but like very like sweet-ish, not sweetish. It was like an umami, delicious Mm -hmm. wonderland. God, I wonder if Nanking chicken is still there. I think it was called House of Nanking. Nanking chicken and Nanking shrimp. So good. My personal rule is if you literally named the restaurant after the dish, I should be able to get two if I want. Well, you and the guy who runs Nanking, <laughs> House of Nanking are going to have beef then. We come to words. Yeah. Just warning you. Chelsea says, I like this rule. I have a two hour time limit on temperature sensitive food that's been sitting out. Parties, dips, Super Bowl foods, family get togethers. If it's been out for over two hours, no, I ain't eating it. And I don't want to take some home. Yeah, I had- I agree. You know, when you've been at the party and you're like, you walk by and like the cheese and the dip, it's all very sad looking after a while. I went to Spain when I was pregnant with my first baby and they do a lot of tapas there. You know, they have sort of food that's out at bars. I mean, in America, all you get is like a, you know, old stale pretzels in a bowl, right? Or some peanuts if you're lucky. But in Spain, they always have like out at the bar, like some beautiful- toast with, I don't know, shrimp and a delicious chimichurri, whatever, but they leave it out. They leave it out all day. And my pregnant self was so, like, I couldn't eat because everything was just sort of left out all the time. And it was probably fine, but the bells were clanging inside my pregnant brain, like, not safe, not safe. I ate a lot of candy bars. Yeah. Yeah. I ate candy bars in Spain. And P.S., I love Spain. I've been back not pregnant and it was fine. But something about that leaving food out thing, my, you know, lizard brain did not like it. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree. And it's I love a hot dip. That's the perfect food for me, especially like I love a football Sunday. Get a hot dip going. My buffalo chicken dip just slays. But once it's room temp, is that how you know? That's your like. Well, but it does. It congeals after about two hours. You either have to keep it on a chafer. Well, I love the little mini crock pot. We keep a little queso going. You know, 
You got to keep it hot or you got to give up after two hours. I completely support Chelsea on that. Yeah. To keep it warm. Megan says the shower curtain cannot be left open. I've gotten out of bed before to make sure ours was closed. I mean, I have this in an OCD way with all the curtains and cabinets. Our house can look like my husband laughs at me. When I was sick this past week, I mean, the house fell to ruin. My husband was out of town. I was sick. I mean, truly, I had to keep my kids home. I couldn't even drive the car. I was very, very sick. And the house truly looked like something out of a movie. Like if you tried to stage a set of like overwhelmed mom, like coats, glasses, I mean, bottles of Mucinex everywhere. It looked like sick house gone wrong. The director would come through like, come on, 10% less. Like, guys, this realistic. (laughs) Yeah, this is a little overkill, frankly. Yeah. But every curtain was either open or shut and every cabinet door was either open or shut. Like that is to me, I can't, that disordered like curtains or cabinets drives me absolutely crazy. My husband, I'll be like, what do you mean either open or shut? Like one side open, one side shut? You know, I can't like-, like shower curtain open or, well, if the curtains are shut at nighttime, they have to be shut well. And if they're open, they have to be open well. Right. And my husband will laugh because I'm like, can you shut that cabinet behind your head that some kid just wandered by and left open? And he's like, really? That's what's bothering you in this room? And I'm like, yeah, it is the thing that's bothering me. I have a thing in our kitchen that is so like useful and I love it so much because you know how your kitchen, everybody's kitchen just just turns into like, you know, phone central charger. Like your kitchen counter has like 11 things charging on it at any time. At least it's true in my house, right? For sure. So we have this thing that I ordered that allows you to just slide. First of all, it puts all the cords into one thing. So you're charging in one place. It's not cords everywhere. They're sort of driven into a certain place. And then behind it is a little garage door you can just shut. So you just shut it. So you don't have to look at all the cords and the nonsense, it's there and you just charge something and then you shut it. That is open 110% of the time in my house. And I'm always like, will you shut that? The whole point is so that I don't have to stare at your debris. Yeah. Like leaving it, it kills me. It's worse than not having the door, I guess, than to have the door that would cover it and and have it be hanging open. Laura and my husband and I could all road trip together. If you're on a road trip, even just hour away, I'll only get gas or step for food on the side of the road I'm driving, hop back on the feeder and get back to the main road quickly or easily. No underpasses or U-turns for this broad. I got places to be. Like no matter how bad you have to go to the bathroom, you're not going to do that. You're not going to get off and go around. This is something I really try to work against a little bit because I'm playing a weird mental game with myself whenever I'm in the car, which is like Google Maps said we'll be there at 535. And it's like somehow Google Maps is my mother. Like it told me when to be there. Like, okay, we could get there at 547 also. We'll just stop and get some ice cream and let everybody stretch their legs. But I get insane on road trips about efficiency. The first time my husband and I took a road trip together, we were leaving LA where we'd been living and driving the car to Texas to stay with his family for a little while before we came up to New York when we were moving. And oh my God, we were so road trip incompatible. He like had all these different, like he would stop, he would go back. I was like, no, we have to just stay the course. I'm sure that Sally would agree with you. She is an important personal rule. If you are driving and you change lanes to a faster lane and it ends up being slower, you can't change back. You have to live with the consequences of your decision. <laughs> Wait, what? That's hilarious. <laughs> I was just living this the other night. I was in the car with two of my kids and there was an accident, which Google Maps makes it so much better because you know, like, okay, you'll be sitting here for like an hour. I mean, it, it just like you'll be sitting here for 67 minutes. And it was, it wasn't 65 and it wasn't 69. But here we are. And, you know, you're inching along and your lane is going two miles an hour, but the one next to you 
is probably going three miles an hour, but it feels like it's flying, right? It's going 50% better than you. Oh God, you're like, we've made a horrible mistake. We have to, yeah. Right, so you're like, you do everything to like- Get over. Figure it out and get yourself in there. And then that one immediately slows to a halt on the lane you were in is flying. So I spent 90 minutes doing that while explaining to my daughter that really the traffic wouldn't be as bad if everybody just stopped doing that while I was doing that. But Sally would tell me I couldn't. And it probably saved me zero seconds, by the way, right? Here's a question for you. Now, this is a fight that ruled my childhood. When there's an exit that's slow and you, like, you're on a highway that's moving, but there's an exit that's slow. Like, let's say where we live, you're getting on the George Washington, right? So you're, uh, Henry Hudson is moving, but you want to get over onto the George Washington Bridge. Where do you join the line for the George Washington Bridge? Like, do you get on the way back Oh my God, don't tell me you're one of these people. Like, it's zipper merge and I get to do this. I get in line. You get in line at the very back. You get on the back of the line and you just accept your fate. I get in, not the very, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's definitely from somewhere that I'm not familiar. If it's like, oh, here we go. And right, and I'm going to get in the LIE now and it's going to be slow. Yeah, I do. And then I absolutely hate the people who are like, actually, I'm important. I have somewhere to be. Cut. I'm the one who has to be somewhere. Okay, but now here is the where the rubber hits the road in our family. Because I, I mean, of course, only monsters cut the line because of course that's just morally sound how hard do you fight to keep the line jumpers out this is like i feel that my husband puts our lives in great jeopardy by being he is the line police like it's not just that he got in line you shall not pass and my dad it's funny i married my dad my dad was exactly the same way like if someone was trying to drive on the shoulder my dad would drive out and like block them out like he they just have a strong sense of line justice And I'm a little bit team, like, let's maybe just let this person in before they either bash our car in or get into another road rage incident with them. But no, my husband will not let a line jumper in on his life. I was in a rear ending accident on an L.A. highway with your sister, Kate. Oh, that's right. And so that ever since then, I mean, that was generations ago, but I always keep a healthy distance between me. Like I don't tailgate the car in front of me because I know what it's like to stop short and get hit and whatever. I don't do it. Yeah. But then I'm the jerk that like, I'm letting everybody in without meaning to, right? Like I've been waiting in this like merge line for 15 minutes and then people keep cutting in front of me because I'm actually allowing a like reasonably safe distance between me and the car in front of me. And yeah. And then that person goes in and then I'm mad at myself. I'm mad at them, but also me for not upholding the line justice. Yeah, it's the zipper merge. We need to do something about that. All right, we'll be back with even more personal rules. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used hero bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty-calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero-gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. (laughs) But all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. 
Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different and fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. And now, who does your kid love more, you or Taylor Swift? From the What Fresh Hell podcast, you has lovingly tended to their every need. Taylor Swift. Oh my God, her hair is so perfect, Mom. Verdict? Definitely Taylor Swift. You remembers every birthday and holiday and makes sure their day is magic. Taylor Swift. When she dances, it's cool and dorky at the same time. Verdict? T Swift. You drives to every rehearsal and practice. Taylor Swift. No, nothing good starts in a getaway car. Verdict? Sorry, but I'm a Swifty all the way. You. Offers tender counsel on school and personal problems. Taylor Swift. Have you ever heard the song Willow? No one understands me like Taylor. Verdict? Mom, if you can get me tickets to the tour, I'll consider a tie. This has been Who Do Your Kids Love More? You or Taylor Swift? From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Here's a good one for you. Vartika says, this is her personal rule. If you can't decide, the answer is always no. Move on. I have a different rule for this that I've talked about. I think that you always choose action over inaction. That's always been my guiding light when you can't decide. Choose action over inaction. Okay, like this. Give me an example. Should I go to the wedding? Go. Is graduate school right for me? If you really can't decide, go. Action over inaction. Okay. All right. Unless there's a shuttle and then the answer is always no. Well, but again, I mean, I would love that to be true, but how am I getting there? I'm already dressed. I got my heels on. What am I going to walk? What am I going to do? I can't get away from the shuttle. You know, somebody said, I forget who it was because I wish I could give them credit. It was just something I saw on Twitter or something. If you can't make a decision, do a coin toss and catch yourself secretly wishing for one or the other outcome while the coin is in the air. And that's the answer. Like you really do want, you have a preference. You're just not allowing yourself to. But if you're secretly rooting to not go to the soccer game while the coin's in the air, then you don't go to the soccer game. Yeah, it's because our, whose tip was that? We're saying almost exactly the opposite thing. Vartika. Vartika is saying then it's no. I'm saying it's yes. It's interesting. You're saying it's yes. And I'm, yeah. And I'm saying you do have a secret preference. 
Yeah, because I'm saying if you're like, should I get married tomorrow to the guy I'm not sure about? Mm -hmm. Action would be, yes, you should get married. And she would say, then the answer is no. Your hesitancy, that there is hesitancy, is the indication that you probably shouldn't do it. Well, and I think it's interesting. We have a Amy and I in a loose partnership agreement. We always say like, no takes it. And that was your rule, but I abide by it. And I don't disagree with it at all. Because I think at a certain point, like if two of you are trying to make a decision, I can present my case and Amy's a no. Then I say, but let me show you this thing that I've outlined about it and why I think it would work. But if you're still a no at the end of that, no always takes it, I think, in a partnership while you're trying to make decisions. But personally, I like action over inaction when you can't decide. Rachel has a good rule for co-work. She and her husband are co-workers. Uh, they co-founded a company together. And so her rule is, yes, if you have a work thought that you want to share after hours, the other person has to opt in to putting on their work hat to discuss and they can veto. I'm not talking about that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Including like kid stuff when you're like watching, I don't know, when you're watching your show, right? Like, can we talk about Tommy's soccer camp. I do find myself sometimes being like, do you have bandwidth to talk about the sink upstairs with me right now? Yes or no? Man, that is such a good, and I feel like it's hard earned and hard to explain. This is such a good marital tip. Like, do you have bandwidth right. to talk about this right now? I could have solved myself so many fights. And the other, and I will repeat it, the best piece of marital advice I ever got, no serious discussions unless your feet are on the floor. Yes. Walk us through this again. You've said it and I agree with it. Someone told me it years ago and it was game changing. It was mostly saved my husband's life because I am a night person, night owl, always have been like, I get ideas in bed. I keep a notebook by the bed. I often say to Amy, like, here's my 3 a.m. thought I had last night. Like I, I lay in bed and things come to me. You ruminate. Yeah, yeah. But when we were first married and working out all those first married things, what would come to me is like, I have been wronged at some point during the day, and I will discuss it with my husband now. He was exhausted and tired, and I was just comfy and lying down, and I could do three and a half hours on why when he showed up late for dinner and he promised to be there, it was so wrong and a symbol of all that's wrong. And, and then he would not be responsive because he was tired. All he was thinking was like, my eyes are closing. I'm going to bed. I get into bed, and it's like I get into bed, and I've got an hour and a half to go every night. My husband gets into bed. He has six minutes to go, you know, in terms of falling asleep. My husband, I mean, it's sometimes I'm like, okay, you're choking right now. Like how fast the deep breathing starts. Like you're playing me. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> they should have a contest because <laughs> truly my husband would be like, good night. Like, I just can't believe anyone could do that. I'm at least 15 minutes from lights out, shutting my eyes, cuddling down to falling asleep. My husband's 15 seconds. This is a good one. I'm going to take on as my own. Again, I'm getting some ideas here. Alana says she only looks at Instagram and Twitter when she's not home. Mostly it's an effort to decrease social media time and make sure I get outside. It works for me. Yeah, that's smart. That would help. I used to do like I could only look at Twitter on the subway, which for me is my like version of commuting. And I would allow myself then. And of course, then it bled into everything else. But this is a good sort of thing to get back to one about only use that stuff. Somebody else said only look at TikTok while I'm on the Peloton. Like she'll get on the Peloton and allow herself to TikTok as long as she wants to scroll it while she's riding her exercise bike. Yeah. 
We're in a challenging season. Let's talk about Katie's. My rule during challenging seasons, like new baby, seasonal depression, we know what a challenging season is. I can only do one thing, meaning I can only one run one errand or do one activity, park, playgroup each day. I'm a stay-at-home mom, and this rule really helps me get out and get things done without feeling overwhelmed. I can only do one thing. Thing. I like it because it gives you, it's sort of like the thing of I'm going to go to the gym for 10 minutes. Like it gives you the feeling of like, mm-hmm. we're not failing. We're just doing the one thing that we can do. Somebody else somewhere in the many, many suggestions that we got. And you know what? We always, I'm going to put the link to these discussions. We'll put that in the show notes so you can go read the answers because there's always so many answers that are so great that we don't get to. Somebody said that you set a timer when you don't want to do something. You don't want to read this article. You don't want to look at the leaky faucet, whatever it is. Set a timer for 10 or 15 minutes and just do it for that long. And that usually when the timer goes off, it's like, okay, I'm fine. I'm into it now. I'm, I'm in the zone with the thank you notes or, or whatever it was I needed to look at or read or get done. And I, I can just finish. So make sure it's a timer that you can turn off with your voice, I guess, instead of having to stop what you're doing and go across the room and turn it off. But I thought that was a good idea. Christina says, I always check to see if someone is inside the shower before using the restroom. <laughs> Every time since I was nine. Wow, I just noticed that about myself. I have clear doors, but I still look. What if someone is hiding in there? Ha ha ha. I mean, no ha 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 to it. What if someone is hiding in there? Ha 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 not. I have to do a perimeter search like a military cleansing team whenever I go into a hotel room. I'm just like, there's nobody under the bed. There's nobody in the closet. There's nobody in the bathroom. I have to pull the curtain. I like to just do a, I'm like a security detail for myself. I do a room sweep. To make sure. That that seems like a reasonable thing to do. Does it, Amy? I mean, why has he been in the closet for six hours just waiting for me to show up? I always look at the backseat of the car when I get in. Like a parking lot, I always stop and make sure there's nobody in the car before I drive away. See, I often forget. And then when I'm driving and singing, I'm like, oh, oh, wait a minute. The guy in the backseat, I forgot he was there. He's going to run at the next light because he just can't stand your singing voice. You're going (laughs) to... Get him, chase him away. Yeah, he's going to be like, never mind on this kidnapping. This was a huge mistake. When May has a little teeny one that is also mine, she turns her handles on the coffee mugs in her cabinet when she's unloading them from the dishwasher so that they all face the same direction. She specifies it's five o'clock if you look down at the mug. Oh, okay. They're all facing that way. I think mine's like, you know, 435 too. Yeah, and they all have to be facing the same way. Yeah, it surprises me not at all that you have a time for your mug handle. (laughs) I mean, I didn't think of it as such, but that's where it is. And they all face the same way. But yes, but you know where it goes. Katie says, and this is, again, this is so me and very OCD. I like to set my alarm for times that are not a zero or a five. I mean, wait a minute. I'm realizing Kitty is my exact opposite when she's my terror dome. Right. She wakes up at 5.01 or 4.42. Not at all. I could never do that. No, like you couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't do it. I have a family member that shall remain nameless that like when you turn up or down the volume on the TV. Yeah. It has to be 35 or 40. It can't be 32 or, or 41. And if you leave it at that, they will, without saying anything, change it. I can only be even numbers, so we could not live together. Okay. Uh-huh. No, no, no. And it's a problem in the car because sometimes, you know, when you have the dial set temperature, sometimes it's like I kind of want it at 71. I'm a little too hot at 72 and a little too cold at 70, but I just have to pick my poison because it can't be on 71. Just be hot or cold. I just have to be uncomfortable because there's no way I'm leaving it on 71. That's cursed. That lets the demons in. Right. <laughs> 
let's say you make sure there's nobody in the back of the car. You got to set your volume to six. Meanwhile, the guy in the back of the car is like this horrible singing and this obsession with the numbers on the dial. I I really can't with you, lady. I think I'm a personal rulesy sort of person. And what I've learned from this episode are some great new personal rules that I'm going to start doing. I probably do not need more personal rules in my life. I have plenty. As always, Amy, I think that what our audience has offered us is some great takeaways and some glimpses at madness. That's what (laughs) we always get when we go out to the audience. That's right. Some glimpses at very disturbed minds and then some really helpful tips. Yes. Like always park a Trader Joe's on the far side, but at Whole Foods parked on the middle. You know, you do you, Trisha. It's fine. (laughs) We're not here to judge because if we were, (laughs) we'd have a lot to say to a lot of you. That's right. Guys, thanks so much for always bringing the hilarious and useful suggestions. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a rating and a review. Somebody recently said to us that sponsors, when they're looking at podcasts, go and check how many reviews and ratings you have on Apple Podcasts. And like, we have a lot, but we could have more. So if you've never thrown us some stars. We're short. We're a little short, frankly. So please. Throw us some stars. Apple Podcasts is sort of like the main place people look, but it doesn't matter. Wherever you're listening, if you've never left us a rating or review, please do so. It would really help us out. We would love that for us and for the world. For you (laughs) and for the world. Let Amy set a mouthful there. And with that, friends, we will talk to you next time. So long. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Bree. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Bree, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.